Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Football a la Turca, this is episode 20, correct me if I'm wrong guys, and I am joined once again by Burak Sezgin and Uzer Dinger after a one week uh, absence. Uh, guys, welcome back. Thank you Khan, it's, uh, it's you. good to be back, as the, the, the song goes. Indeed, indeed, it's good to be home. <laughs> and you guys uh, picked your moment because today we have once again a special guest and a special treat for our listeners. We have already introduced her a couple of times, or at least uh, we have said that we were going to sit down with her in the previous couple of weeks. But Samantha Johnson of TRT World is joining us live right now from Istanbul. Sam, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. And I'm so sorry it's taken um, so long. I am the worst when it comes to uh, scheduling anything. So um, apologies again. Absolutely no issue. We had to get some other interviews in anyway. So um, it's, it's perfect. You know, the guest is king or, you know, like the customer is king. But the guest is king. I mean, it's, we work around your schedule. Or queen. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for correcting oh, oh, oh. me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we work around your schedule, not, not the other way around. So thank you very much. We very much appreciate the fact that you're willing to take time out of your own personal uh, time just uh, to have a talk with us about uh, Turkish football. So thank you. Um, so first, quickly introducing Sam. She works for TRT World. She's a sports anchor correspondent, um, and of course, you know, we have the webcam on. I'm looking straight at my camera, <laughs> which I usually don't do. <laughs> so a sports anchor correspondent, and and, and just. A journalist, basically. Um, you've worked previously for Sky Sports as well. I think that's where you got your start. Is that right, Sam? Yeah. Um, gosh, I started at Sky at the tender age of 23. Um, I had two weeks work experience there as a runner. Um, at the end of the two weeks, I was offered a job as a, as a researcher, and it kind of started from there. So. It is. It's a while back, and you know, when you asked me um, to come on the show, and you know what we were going to talk about, and oh my God, a lot has happened since then, and even before the age of twenty-three as well, because the kind of media career started uh, way beyond that. But yeah, that's where it kind of that's where the sports broadcasting um, started anyway. Because before I worked for a music uh, music company and a music magazine, but I always knew that music and sport would always. Uh, make a crossroads or make a crossover because sports was always the I suppose the end game like sports broadcasting was always the end game and sometimes you just have to I don't know just it's never an A to B road sometimes you just have to go from A to C to B or whatever it's you know one way or another you get to where you want to be. And what exactly inspired you to become a sports journalist? Um, well I'm from a sports mad family anyway um, my dad uh, used to play like Sunday league so I'd watch him sometimes at the weekend my mom she um, played volleyball for um, for England I think she played for the I think it was the under 18s or under 19s but she played at a really really good level um, I'm I wasn't the best at sport I was actually I was very good at netball but I wasn't you know at a high level but it's always been a part of my life, my family's life. And then when you watch the Olympics, for example, on BBC, you think, gosh, that would be a great gig to have, like just to travel the world, talk about sports, just to be a part of it. And you know, I still get a buzz from it now. I still have to pinch myself like, oh my God, I'm at the Champions League or whatever, or 
you know, I'm at the World Cup. I just, I was at the um, the World Women's World Cup, the opening game. So just to be a part of it, it's just amazing and a dream come true. And I've just always wanted to be a part of it as soon as I saw it. So uh, the tricky thing was to um, just have to get into the industry because if you don't know anybody, it's very difficult because the sports world can be very, very clicky. Um, I didn't have like a famous parent or, you know, I didn't like nepotism is kind of rife in the sports industry mm-hmm. um i didn't have that i didn't have that and um yeah i took the the long route so i really had to make my contacts and get in that way yeah for for sure i mean we see it even in 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 the footballing world when it comes to players sometimes being the cousin of a board member is enough <laughs> to get on a, a certain team um but not going to dig into that. There's a, no. one particular <laughs> example that jumps to mind, but uh, I'm not going to delve into that. But uh, how difficult was it? Because you're not just coming into the business. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll call it that. Um, you're not just coming into this industry cold, without friends, so to speak. Nobody holding your hand, guiding you in. Not just that, but also, I mean, you know, let's call uh, let's 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 call out the elephant in the room. You're you're a woman, and it's a largely Last time I checked, yeah. <laughs> and it's a largely male dominated industry. It must have been probably twice as hard for you to break into this industry. And what were some of the challenges that you experienced and uh, how, how was it for you to come into uh, this world of football or sports sport journalism because of course you cover more than just football. Um yeah, it was difficult or still is I suppose. Or maybe not so much now because um, I've done so much and I've been in the industry for you know, over a decade. But I was always told from a young age, look, you're going to have to work twice as hard. One, because you're a woman. Two, because you're black. You have to add, probably add a third one, which is your working class as well. So you have all those factors against you. And I think for me, um, I went in there knowing those factors. And in a way, it's not held me back but I was just too aware of it and I was just very tense and you know going into a newsroom sometimes where it's just all males or majoritably male white um you know you're surrounded by white males some that have gone to like the best schools or gone to Cambridge Oxford it's intimidating it really is so you just think I don't belong here Mm -hmm. But somehow the bloody, the bloody mindedness of me, I just thought, no, this is what I want to do. So I don't care. I, I, I don't, I don't see why any of you should stop me from getting to where I want to be. And that's just me being a very stubborn Johnson woman. You know, I was raised by very strong, strong women. My granddad was, God, I miss him so much, but he, his work ethic was immense. And, you know, he, taught me a lot as well about just standing my ground and you know go for what you want and you have to work for it I don't think a lot of people realize to get to where you want to be in this life you really have to put in the hours you have to put in the graft so um yeah that was it really it's it was difficult but there's a lot of work a lot of sacrifice I for example working at Sky I would start at two o'clock in the morning because I didn't drive I would catch the night bus and I lived in North London at the time and they needed to catch a night bus all the way to Austinley which would take about an hour 40 minutes possibly um yeah I did that and then 
I would finish that shift at 12 o'clock, but I would stay behind to practice, you know, speaking aloud, doing the autocue, reading the autocue, that sort of thing. You know, I would stay behind after a long, long shift. So, yeah, I, I would say I worked bloody hard to get to where I am right now. So, Basic, yeah. Basically like Pierre van Hooydonk saying 45 <laughs> minutes after every training to kick some hey. free kicks and becoming the best in the world at it. It, it paid off so well. Hey, mate, it paid off. Put your hands Hard up. Work, no, yeah, but definitely. I, I think what we can learn from that and for if, if any females or women are listening to this, aspiring to be a journalist someday, I think what, what the most important thing to take away from that is that as long as you have the passion, it trumps education, it trumps everything else. As long as, of course, you, you understand sports... Yeah. But if you have yeah, that passion helps a lot as well because yeah. there are some people that don't and it's like okay it's showing yeah but yeah you're right you've got to have the passion but you have to have the work ethic as well and there are times when you will be humbled as mm -hmm. well so you can't i mean i i went into not sky thinking that you know i know everything because i mm -hmm. obviously don't but i was willing to learn but there were moments where i was humbled and think okay sam you're gonna have to work that's normal. The yeah, exactly. You're going to have to work all the way from the bottom to the top. Especially in and your early 20s, you think you know so much more than you actually do. Yeah. And it's everyone, you know, that's that's whether you're a woman or a, or a man or, or um, I was going to say a dog, but I don't think dog, dogs have those experiences. Uh, I'm a dog person, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you may hear her barking in a few minutes Aww. so if you do i do apologize but she's outside barking at the gates uh walk watching people walk by anyway <laughs> um but yeah you know that's just part of growing up getting humbled sometimes learning the fact that you know what maybe i don't always have the answer and maybe my answers aren't always correct and and you know smart people learn from that other people keep doing what they're doing and they'll keep bumping their heads forever and ever but you know learn from your mistakes sometimes learn from just be willing to listen to uh, people who've been around the block and yeah. learn from them. And I do, yeah. I do think you have a mentor too. Uh, I, I know. Do, who is your mentor? If I, could? I, I read it in an article that you do have a mentor. You still stay in touch with. Is that something uh, you're well willing to talk about? Uh, I, I do have a few mentors. Um, it depends on which stage of my life I'm going through. Mm -hmm. So I. I <sighs> Gosh, there's one from the music industry who's been in my life since, God, what, I was, what, 21? Oh, my God, 14, 15 years. Oh, my God, 14 years, sorry, yeah. Um, Don't reveal your age. Oh, you know, look, I'm very comfortable about re revealing my age. I'm 35 years old, and um, I'm really, yeah, I'm, I sh I don't see why I should have to hide it. I'm no, no, no. I, I remember, you know Bruno, right? He's a common friend of us. Uh, he worked in uh, at TRT2 for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, Bruno Botaro. You know him, right? Yes, yes, Bruno. Yes, I know him. He was so no. full. Of, so, yes. And that's exactly the exact same thing he said about you. Uh, oh, and I think he jokingly oh. mentioned once that he asked your age and you almost slapped him up upside. Dead. Oh, sometimes you got to put them in their place. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't slap him. No, no, no. But... Yeah. Uh, but he was, he was no, no. He said it jokingly, of course. But he was, he was, he was really full of praise of you, and um, I think you know. He even said that he misses you, and that's something. One of the things he misses about Turkey, because he's working in Germany now for uh, yeah. Zan, but uh, so you know, it's a smooth one. He he always had a, a word and an eye for the ladies. I know that much. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> he is Italian after all. Oh gosh, no, I miss him. He was great. Um, 
where I said TRT World, he he was one of those guys who was just willing to learn and to immerse himself mm-hmm. in the culture. So he would go to a lot of games as yeah. well. Um, I think he wrote for, what was it? I don't know if it was football or soccer. What's the, what's that um that other magazine that's in Turkey right now? I can't remember. Oh, Socrates. Socrates. Yeah, 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 Socrates. Socrates. I think he's yeah. yeah I think oh, he wrote an article. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. So yeah, he was brilliant, brilliant for us. But, so, but I'm glad to see him doing that. But but talking about um, your career, how on earth does it take you from England to Turkey of all places? It's it's a really weird career move. And and did you speak to anyone beforehand? Was there someone you knew that maybe gave you advice before you? you know, took this leap of fate basically to go into um, the Turkish sports world, journalism, moving your life to Turkey, leaving your friends and family behind. It's it's a big decision. What got you to that point? Um, when you put it like that, it's like, oh my gosh, Sam, you did something utterly crazy. But at that point, it was an opportunity and it was a job and it was just, you're right, the, the chance to do something I'd never thought I'd do. I knew I, I, I've always wanted a career abroad, but Turkey was never, you know, on that list. But when it arrived, I just thought, why not? I don't have any big responsibilities. I'm still young. Just go for it and see if you can, I don't know, go for a year, see if you like it. I mean, I actually um, held on to my apartment in North London for three months. Oh, no, 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 that was it. I wanted to hold on to it for three months just to see if I liked it. And if not, then I'd come back. Mm-hmm. But I think after um, a month, I just thought, right, I'm giving up. I'm giving up my my life in London completely. I'm cutting all ties. I'm just going to go all in. I'm just, so yeah, just went for it. But uh, I, look, the only thing I knew about Istanbul was the fact that Liverpool won the Champions League there. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, you know, I, I did my research. I was, you know, you know, you go on the internet just to see what it's like and, I don't think you get the real picture until you're in the city and then yeah. you're like, oh my God, this <laughs> is it. I look back at 2015, because that's when I arrived. And to me, it seems like it was black and white because it was a very tense period. And I didn't, I think I was very naive. I didn't realize what was going on. Um, I suppose mm. I didn't know the atmosphere. I didn't know what was going on politically or anything like that. That was just before All the coup then. When you were... Yeah, well, yeah, the, I think the, uh, the, the coup was in 2016, I want to say. Yeah, it was 2016. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, 2016, 2016. I arrived in um, November 2015. Okay. And I just thought, you know, I'm coming here for a job. I'm going to be a um, sports anchor, you know, sports correspondent. I get to travel. Da, da, da. You just start to think about your job mm-hmm. without thinking of where you're actually living. Um, yeah, I just looked back at that time and it was just a, a different Istanbul because it was so quiet. It was, it was still beautiful, but for me, I, I was a stranger. Mm-hmm. I felt like a stranger just walking around like, where the hell am I going? This is a long walk. Why does it take so long to get to Besiktas or whatever? But now I can go everywhere like in how many minutes, just hail the cab and just go. And I feel so, I feel at ease. And, this and, is my home now. And have yeah. you mastered haggling yet? <laughs> uh, yes and no. Look, I, 
I, I know enough Turkish or a bit of Turkish. Do not test me. Please do not test me on Turkish no, right I now. But um, I know enough Turkish to know that, oh, or they, to make sure that they know that, oh, she, she actually lives here. So she's not a complete foreigner. She, you know, <laughs> she lives here. She pays her taxes. It's okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, gosh, just, just thinking back to when I arrived, I just, I, I wouldn't, I would never expect to be here for almost four years. It's been the best four years, the most defining period of my life as well, um, personally and professionally. But it was, yeah, it was a, it's a leap of faith, but I wanted a change and it's been the best. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't regret it whatsoever. And were, were there any big shocks to you when you first arrived, like maybe culture, a culture shock or something, or just, I don't know, something that really... Um Appear, weird, seemed weird to you uh, as things you took some time for you to uh, adjust uh, and were there pleasant surprises maybe that you didn't expect um, yeah so you know in London if you're pressed up against someone it's odd and it's weird and you give people their personal space you don't get that in Turkey so if I'm at the ATM uh, someone is standing right behind so you need to back up. I'm trying to get my money out. You're going to see my pin number and everything. But now I'm used to it. It's it's little things like that. Or, I don't know. I think I'm just used to everything. So when I first arrived, I think that was the main, the, the main thing. No one cues. No. <laughs> Everyone's just going. <laughs> it's those little quirks. But I'm used to it now. I'm, I'm sort of Turkish because I don't care. I don't give anyone any space. <laughs> oh, I have one um, of most embarrassing <laughs> stories ever when it comes to queuing with my dad. With my dad, who's like, you know, I, I'd be like you. I'd just wait in queue, like a no in line, like a normal person would. Uh, and we were at, uh, I believe it was the Hagia Sophia, and mm -hmm. uh, my dad was like, "No, no, let's just cut line." And and, and I was like, you like "I was like, no." <laughs> and he just, he just went. He did, and then like two English women start like, "Oh, sir, what are you? What do you think you're doing? You're cutting line." And he was like. <laughs> no, no English, no, and he speaks. No, he speaks, like, yeah, he speaks like five languages or something. So oh, like, brilliant! <laughs> yeah, I think if you if you got the confidence to do that, just do it. That's what I've learned um, as well. No, I I, I can't <laughs> bring myself to do something like that. I'd be too embarrassed. <laughs> there was another thing that I that I actually love about being here, and it's the hospitality. So what I've learned is if a if a family invites you for dinner, don't eat for that whole day. Just don't, because you are going to get fed. Oh. And <laughs> there's, they stuff you like a pig. It's just crazy, and I just think, I, I can't eat anymore, but you can't say no, because you're going to offend them, and you don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> you have to eat the food. And yeah. everything is just gorgeous. So I think I put on a few pounds in the first few months. That I lived in <laughs> good, good thing Do you, you prefer a... Turkish tea oh. or Turkish coffee? Ah, oh, coffee. Or Turkish oh, coffee, yeah. I I'm not a coffee yeah, person myself. No, 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 I love it. Yeah, Every, you know what? Fun. I tell you, that's a big culture. So in the UK, you every corner on or on almost on every corner you have a pub or something like that. You don't get that here, obviously, but you have co coffee shops just they're everywhere, and you just think, how are you? How are you still open? Aren't you worried about competition? And it's like, no, it's just that's just the way it is. It's I love it. I love the fact that there's a, a great coffee shop just two minutes away from where I live it's brilliant so yeah, yeah I'm a coffee addict do you have a favorite food um sometimes I love guzzle no oh that's it I have guzzlema 
So I, they do really good gusla at work. Um, Great choice. <laughs> yeah. My mum makes an amazing gusla It's got to be cheese. I don't like the potato so much. It's got to be cheese. Yeah. I'm a big cheese fan too. <laughs> Dude, are you Turkish? Like, what the, are you even Turkish? What the hell? You don't like cheese. You don't oh, no, like. I, like... I, I am. I am a big fan, a cheese fan. Oh, okay. Like, you got me woke. Yeah, I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm on a. I'm on a. What's it called? A, a keto diet right now, and I know we shouldn't eat too much cheese, but that's basically what I live on. Cheese. I can't live without it. Can't live without it. Yeah. No, I mean, and there's so many varieties out here as well. It's even better. And uh, what about what? Uh, so, if you like cheese, burek, obviously, pita. You like that kind of stuff, or pita is good. good. I like that. Um, it's just have to be in the mood to have it. So, in the mornings before I get into work, they stop serving guzlama at eleven o'clock, but I get in at eleven. So, <laughs> if I get in at ten forty-five, I'm racing up to the canteen. That's why you um, get in at ten forty-five just to get. <laughs> actually, once. And my producer is going to kill me for saying this, but I was, I was going to be late coming into work about, I don't know, five or ten minutes, and I actually text him from the my taxi to say, mate, seriously, I'm so sorry to ask you this, but can you go to the canteen? I'm just getting some goods in the mail. I'll pay you back. And he actually did it. He said, what, I'm, "Am I your PA? Like, who do you think you're talking to?" Like, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. And he did it as well. I love him. I love him. He did it. But uh, yeah, that's my little obsession. Yeah. So, what are the biggest differences working in the UK versus working in Turkey? Um, if, it, if we're talking personally, I found work-life balance. And it helps that you have some of the best beaches just uh, an hour or two hours away uh, from Istanbul. I, I learned how to enjoy myself and in, enjoy my work. Whereas when I was in the UK, I was constantly trying to chase my career, um, yeah. trying to find work. Because I was freelance as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, race. Yeah, exactly. I was very much a part of it. And, you know, to blow off steam, what do you do? You go to the pub. I mean, I traveled anyway, but it's it wasn't as easy as me living in Istanbul. And being here, you realize, oh my gosh, it really is a hub. Like, you can get to any country in a matter of hours, flights are cheap or cheaper. It's, it's perfect. I would say that's the main difference for me, and that's one of the main reasons why I would find it very difficult to leave um, Turkey or leave Istanbul, because I'm happy. I'm happy with the work that I'm doing, the freedom that I get with my work, and I get to travel with my work as well. And I also get to travel for pleasure. So me and the girls, we're actually gonna go to Antalya, I think next week, for a long weekend. So yeah, I've been- oh, Super <laughs> jealous, super jealous. Good, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's more that. It's, I think at the grand old age of 35, I've, found a great balance and it's yeah it's some wonders health yeah for my mental health for my spirit my soul everything it's i'm just a lot happier here than i was in the uk it's mm-hmm. great to hear well fantastic well um we've got to take it back to the roots a little bit now sam <laughs> with you because uh, we know you're from birmingham originally yep. and that you're an aston villa fan yeah um 
I think I heard it earlier. You said graft, but you said it in that that brummy twang that that we <laughs> Not graft, graft, that A, mate. <laughs> Indeed. And of, of being, being a Villa fan, um, famously you had Alpai from Turkey come over to play for you. And in the other direction, we've seen uh, Darius Vassell go to Ankara Gücü. Um, you did a, a great little interview with him on Terra to World, which I'd implore anyone to seek out and find. Um, a great piece of journalism there. And, of course, um, the late, great Dalian Atkinson, who had a season with Fenerbahce in like the mid-90s. Um, so did those players have any influence on your decision to go for the, the, the job in Turkey at all? just wanted to... I have to be honest, no. <laughs> no. It was... I, I went in completely blind when it came to coming to Turkey. And I think that was the best way for me to, to do it. Because if I did too much, too much, re- I can't talk, too much research, I would have doubted my move. Sometimes it's just good to go with your gut feeling. But um, it's not until I actually got here and you're learning more about the clubs and you're like, oh, my God, he played here. And, you know, there was quite a few English players that came over to, you know, the Super League. And yeah, that, well, that's how we got... Late 80s, early 90s yeah. with uh, Gordon Milner had a... Exactly. A and I didn't know it. I just thought, how could I not know this? I mean, Galtasaray yeah. had famously had a trio because they, they got to yeah, and he, he brought in Saunders and uh, Saunders. Barry Venison. Yeah. And they still That's talk right. about they still talk about those players over here as well. Yeah, it's like their go-to story. Yeah, definitely. But I love it. I love it. I think I do love the way football, without sounding too cheesy, football really does bring everybody together. Mm. Um, it's true. It's, this is true. Yeah. But yeah, it's I, doing the Ankara Gucci story with Darius was absolutely brilliant. I was, first of all, just happy that he said yes. Um, it, I think it was a, a very emotional journey for him. And mm-hmm. he actually said, you know, he felt like he, he got some closure. And what's nice is, one, we're both from Birmingham, so obviously the accent came out like tenfold. But we could actually... Um, relate to each other's stories in some capacity. So we know what it's like to live and work in Turkey as a foreigner. You're kind of the outsider, but you're, you're always invited in. I mean, I, I feel so welcome, so welcomed being here as a, as a foreigner, like as British, as a woman, as black. It's like, wow, okay, you don't know me, but hey, yeah, cool. It's, it's so nice. It's, it's it's like a warm feeling. It's like a family. So we could actually connect um, on that on that story as well. But yeah, that story, I think it's one of my, I say one of my best. It's just one of the most enjoyable stories I've done to date. And I'm just happy that he was happy with the results. He was, I think, he was a bit nervous. But mm-hmm. the more we spoke, the more he opened up about his time there as well. So yeah, just look, the opportunity to do a story like that is, it's it's why I love my job. It's. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't think I'll be able to get this opportunity if I stayed in the UK. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. You probably would have gotten there anyway with your uh, go-getter spirit. I don't think so. Well, I know what you mean, but I really don't think so because it's um, this the show that I I, I work for or work mm-hmm. on beyond the game. We do different stories to you know the other other channels. So whereas other sports shows do the results and they might have an interview we like to as the title suggests go beyond the game yeah, so yeah. we like to do feature stories we like mm-hmm. to 
look beyond the scoreline. We like to do feature pieces. Just it goes a bit deeper than that. And I, I don't think we. I, I, I can honestly say I don't think I'd have the opportunity if I stayed. Well, you famously got Claudia Ranieri to give you an exclusive, <laughs> didn't you, Sam? Uh, yeah, God, that was uh, twenty. Yeah, twenty sixteen is God. Twenty sixteen was a, uh, quite a year. Yeah, so that was that was brilliant as well. I really really enjoyed that, and um, I think that's when everything kind of catapulted for my, myself, for you know our show, um, for the channel. It was just brilliant. It was. I look back at that time with very, very fond memories. I didn't realise it was going to be as big as it was. But again, you know, talking to a man like Claudio, who's so humble and such a gentleman, it was just, it was an honour. And again, very humbling experience for me. But yeah, fan video, I didn't realise it would, it would take off. It was just an idea. Because we all remember him crying on the touchline. Um, I can't remember which game it was, but I do remember seeing him like, getting emotional. On the touchline, I thought, oh, yeah, okay. So I'm not not saying that I wanted to make him cry, but I just thought, okay. So he is a very, very emotional man. And yeah, I just thought, okay, let's do, let's get a, a fan video for him. Let's see how the people of Leicester feel about him and this opportunity of winning their very first Premier League title and to break, break the mould, just to break the... You know, the dominance of the Manchester clubs, the London clubs, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I love that. again, one of my, one of my favourite stories as well, it was, yeah, oh gosh, gosh, you're getting me emotional, so I'm like looking back, oh, wow. <laughs> that was a good player, just, just wanted to highlight that, that, that was a, a great Claudio, and uh, Leicester fans will definitely they check that out, and especially the fan video, and I'll leave yeah. it at that to not ruin it for people who want to <laughs> check it out for the first time. Oh, thank you. And I was going to ask what what are some of your favorite things as a as a sports journalist, but I I think you already kind of answered that question because I I think interviewing, getting the story, maybe a little bit lifting lifting the curtain a little bit, and yeah. uh, interviewing fascinating people that seems to it, be something you really get a kick out of. I enjoy it so much because I get to listen to fascinating people. I get to just show people another side of a story. It's it's why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. The Carly Gucci story. I was amazed at the response that we got. I didn't realize that so many Turkish people would say, I never knew that Carly had a football team or a women's football team. And, you know, when I told people that I was going to go to Hakali, people said, why are you going to go there? Like, do you know about Hakali? I think people's perceptions changed after that story came out. And again, that's a reason why I love doing what I do. You know, traveling as well, that's a huge plus because I be on a plane and I love airports. I don't know, it just gives me a buzz. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the highlights. But yeah, just meeting people and getting to meet new people, just discovering new stories, stories that people haven't done. I don't think anybody in Turkey has done a story like Kyodoguju. So I'm still in touch with the girls. I spoke to their coach, um, albeit <laughs> via Google yeah. Translate. But um, I spoke to the coach uh, last week. So I'm trying to help the girls, trying to find a sponsor for them because they've lost their sponsor. 
So hopefully I can speak to someone at the uh, TFF, inshallah. Uh, <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, sponsorship is important for women's football to continue to evolve, of course, in Turkey and uh, everywhere in the world, of course. I mean, we mm-hmm. see in, 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 in the men's brand or branch, or how should I put it as well? I mean, teams without a sponsor just, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 get in, they, they run into trouble uh, or difficulties at least. Um, so my next question is a little bit more tied into you as a journalist. Do you have any pet peeves? That you uh, things you don't like in journalism, uh, stuff that bug you perhaps that you, from other journalists maybe or I don't know. Nothing from other journalists. I'm I'm not. Uh, what bugs me? When people don't get back to me, which is odd considering it took me ages to get back to you about this interview. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a hypocrite. I'm sorry. Um, oh, the irony. It's <laughs> I know, right? Uh, what do I? I don't like lateness. I, I'm a stickler for punctuality, um, but that's just me as a person. I try to be late sometimes because I, like everyone in Turkey or whoever I meet anyone in Turkey, it's like they're probably 10 or 15 minutes late. So I'm like, okay, I know they're going to be late. So I'm going to be late as well, but it never happens. But I think when it comes to my work, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a stickler for punctuality. Um, I find it frustrating when I, I'm trying to get an interview um, with a club in Turkey, mm-hmm. oh. because the way because way the way it works is totally different to how it would work with a Premier mm-hmm. League club. Yeah. So with the Premier League, you can just go to the head of communications, send an email. It's a yes or no. You know, it within a day or so. Yeah. But it just takes that bit longer here. Yeah. And luckily, I've I've dealt with some amazing people. But it, it is just getting used to the culture. So they might get back to you in two weeks. But by then you're thinking, okay, is the story dead? You know, can I still work with this? Yeah. I actually do feel sorry for all the press people in Turkey because they must be sick of me <laughs> sending emails and WhatsApp messages and hi, it's me again. Have you thought about this interview? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's not a pet peeve. It's just I find it difficult and it's something that you have to get used to. So you yeah. you navigate it. You nav- you navigate around it um, but somehow. Yeah, it's, it's very recognizable. Uh, especially, I, I get a lot of um, foreign journalists frequently asking me if the, if I can put them in contact with someone at, at this club or at that club because they've sent emails to you know the public addresses that are available. Mm. Usually, that's like Bilgi at whatever, and you never get a <laughs> reply. Um, yeah. Especially when you email them in English or something. Um, you know, j- journalists from BBC, from from Sky, mm. from I don't know. From it's really difficult. Big, it's really it's difficult. difficult. Yeah. You just have to you just have to know, I suppose, who to go to because yeah, whereas exactly. you have to know the right uh, person in the club, in the right in, in the proper hierarchy, or just someone who can talk to someone in the right position. It's exactly. Yeah, it's so luckily, good. like when I whenever I've wanted something with Besiktas, luckily I can go to Fikret Orman um, first, and then I'm like, <laughs> is it okay if we can? Is it okay if we uh, use the stadium to film? Mm-hmm. for um, a segment for a special and he says yes speak to so-and-so so i speak to that so-and-so to say okay well your bash just said we can do this and then it goes like that yeah so i'm very very blessed and very lucky to have met quite a few people and like people from all walks of mm-hmm. life just mm-hmm. over here and everyone has just been so accommodating and i don't know if it's because i'm a foreigner i have no idea but i just go in with the utmost respect because 
just 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 out of curiosity yeah just out of curiosity do you also have galatasaray chairman's number on speed dial as well (laughs) (laughs) um uh, well you know i met mustafa jengis uh at ifta um i think it was like last month oh wow was it last month or the month before lovely guy he's such a charismatic guy really cool do not give Ezra his number because he will spam him <laughs> with sell the Agne, sell the Agne or something. No, 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 no. I'm lucky that I'm, I'm lucky that a lot of people pass through Terete or Terete World, mm-hmm. and um, I'm very cheeky. So when I heard Mustafa Jengis was in, was having iftar with us, I just said, I said to my boss, "Is it okay if I go over and say hi to him?" He said, yeah, sure. And he's like, well, he's looking at me like, you're crazy. So there's me. Da, 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 walk up. And there was, this, I think, like this kind of security guy. Or, you know, you just kind of, that's it. Okay, if I walk over and say hi. And he said, okay, just bear with me for a second. They go over. Comes back to me. Yes, it's okay. So he <laughs> takes me over to the table. So- and um, we just, yeah. And, there was, and luckily, there was some other... TRT sport guys that I know, some of the journalists there. So we just saw kind of had chai. Um, yeah, it was it was really nice. It's it's surreal sometimes. I just think Sam, you just spoke to like a, a president of like, one of the most yeah. famous clubs in Europe. You know, it's it's crazy. But I, I don't take anything for granted. I'm wherever I come across. Whoever it is, I'm just grateful because everyone's just been really cool to me. And is it difficult sometimes because a lot of Turks don't speak English very well? Uh, is, that, is that a problem you run in often or is it okay in Istanbul? No, it's fine. I mean, every, everyone speaks Turkish or uh, Turkish, sorry, everyone speaks a bit of English. Yeah, I basically. try a little bit, yeah, I well, I try a little bit with my Turkish and it's. I can do the pleasantries, mm-hmm. but if uh, but that's about it. But no, um, it's the communication's fine. Sometimes there's translator, but ultimately I can understand or I can get a gist of what that person is saying, or the gist of a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, don't um, you can't underestimate you know body language as well. That comes into it quite a bit. So, Especially in Turkey, where people are very passionate and expressing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So it's like. Hey, you- very happy i'm gonna go over here or <laughs> it's, no it's it's I, there is a bit of a language barrier but i'm I, I i'm used to it or i'm understanding a lot more now i mean i was it last year when did my mom come right so <laughs> this is going to sound like a weird story but last year my mom and my aunt came over because il diva were playing in istanbul and i'm not an il diva fan my aunt is a huge ill diva then, but I was going to go. Um, all of a sudden, I was at work and I get a call from Fenerbahce. And I've been invited to this journalist dinner. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, in my head, I'm like, I've got to go to ill diva concert with my aunt and my mom. Do I, do, <laughs> do I sack this dinner off or do I go with my mom and my aunt? I explained to my mom and my aunt so what the deal was. And they were very understanding. So I went to this dinner, this journalist dinner for Novoche, and everyone spoke t- Turkish. I think there was only two people that spoke English, so they were translating for me as well. Uh, that was very, very interesting. But it's, again, I could understand 
what people were talking about. I can pick up on numbers, I can pick up on days and, I don't know, players, things like that. So you, you get by. It's mm-hmm. surprising what you can understand when you're put in that situation. And Sam, what type of advice would you give 16-year-old you when it comes to career, when, when career advice? Um, just believe in yourself a lot more. Just It's funny, I, I said before, you know, I've got this bloody-mindedness to do whatever, whatever I want to do, but there's still this pang. Um, I think they call it imposter syndrome. I think it's like, it's like I shouldn't be here. Although you know that you you know that you are good enough and you have every right to be there, but still, it's you feel like you're going to get found out. But you know, at, yeah, exactly. Um, so I would say to that 16 year old girl, like Sam, you've got this. You really do. Don't worry about a thing. I would say that to her, and I and then I give her a little slap, just like, come on, wake up, come on, you can do this. So <laughs> I don't condone violence. That's a joke, but uh, yeah, it's um, that's what I'd say to her. A good slap to wake you up sometimes isn't to work in the world. <laughs> but let's transition to uh, our next segment, and you already alluded to it earlier with uh, Hakari Guju. Uh, let's talk a little bit about women's football in Turkey. Um, Uzar is going to uh, take uh, the questions here. Yeah, thank you. So I thought the Hakari Guju was uh, a um, and it really put the spotlight on, on on women's football in Turkey, something which hadn't really been shown at all before. Um, but if we Is consider women, women's sports in Turkey generally, I mean, it's particularly things like uh, volleyball or basketball, there's already a high profile and a really high standard, and it's very popular, both, but particularly those two in Turkey. But women's football, despite football being the number one sport, has always kind of lagged behind. So I think that was a really kind of wake-up call for people to get kind of find out more about Turkey. And recently, now that the Women's World Cup is on, of course, as well, I, people asked me if Turkey was in. I said, no, the Turkish women's team isn't in it. And I wondered why. So I looked back at the qualifiers to see, you know, where did it all go wrong for the Turkish team? I couldn't even find Turkey in the qualifiers. Then I rolled back again to the pre-qualification qualifying round and realized that Turkey had uh, failed to qualify from a group that was topped by Faroe Islands. Mm-hmm. So my question is, <clears throat> where did it go wrong? And how can Turkish football... Um, t- women's football in Turkey rather, kind of be brought up to the standards um, that it needs to be in order to become competitive in the rest of Europe um, that's a very good question and it's a question that I asked in the beginning before I did you? so um, looking for ideas on you know my next story what to do it was exactly what you just said. I'm like, this is a football crazy nation, like insane, like, like something like I've never experienced before. Where are the women, or you know, where's the women's team? I mean, I see female fans. I, the women love football as much as the men. I asked my colleague and Efe about it, and he, you know, his answer was, oh, you know, women, you know, they can. They, they play, um, you know, volleyball and basketball. And I said, well, okay, that's great, but that still doesn't answer my question. Like, why isn't there more emphasis on women's football? And we just didn't, <laughs> we just didn't have the answer. So we started to look at the, um, the 
Tepa Fair uh, website to see if there was a league, and there was a league. And we started to look at the teams, and you know, the only team that I could recognise was Besiktas, and we wanted to know if that was linked to the, you know, the the, the main club, and it was. Mm-hmm. And then we went down the list to see, like, okay, so okay, it would be easy to go to Besiktas to do a, a story about them, but I want something more. And then FA Sot, he said, oh my gosh, Hakiari have a football team. I'm like, okay, what's the deal with Hakiari? He told me about it, and I'm like, okay. We're going. <laughs> we, we, we have to pitch this. We're going. Um, the, the pitch got turned down um, for the first time. And I actually went into one of my boss's office and I said, look, what do we need to do to make this story go through? And I pitched it again. I told him the angle that I wanted to give. I said, I don't care about anything else. I care about these girls. You know, the fact that the president and the coach that age of 30 and they are bossing it they are running this and they're successful you know and we got the green light and I've never fought so hard for a story in my life um, stubborn Sam strikes stubborn is like, exactly I get what I want come on <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I just again I remember telling people about the story and they were intrigued because there were some there were some uh, ideals of Hakari in that area. And I just thought, okay, this makes it even more interesting. So I'm more intrigued to know what it's like when I get there. When we landed, I've never seen such a beautiful landscape in my life. It was just, I was blinded by how white the snow was because you're surrounded by the mountains. And it was just, I say it was bare, there was nothing there. It was just, it was beautiful. It was pure snow in the middle of nowhere. We were on the border of, I think it was Iraq and Iran. And I'm like, okay, this is the furthest I've ever gone in Turkey. Like, I've been around, I've been to Malaska, I've been to, oh gosh, I've been to a lot of places in Turkey, but this is the furthest I've been. And Hakali just blew my mind. Like, it's such a beautiful place. The people were amazing. We were welcomed. And just thought this this is what I was expecting the way everyone was talking about it. So when we we, we met everybody from the club, I met the president, uh, and she was just so impressive. Impre- again, just a very strong, strong principled woman. And you meet a lot of strong women in Turkey. I've learned that I've met so many strong women, amazing women in football in general but they probably don't get the, the spotlight because they're behind the scenes, but they should get the spotlight. Um, I, I, so I'm going off the track a little bit, but um, yeah, that story. It's perfectly fine. Sorry, sorry. I'm, try, like, I'm trying to go through everything. Like we stayed there for, I think, two days and we were just welcomed and they were just happy that we're there to tell their story. The players were awesome. They were hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically great. They were just impressive. And they, I think there was, there's a player called Messi. <laughs> Her nickname is Messi. And she just said, you know, if I didn't have football, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably just be at home doing nothing. But now she's studying and she's playing football. And we just think sport gives women mm-hmm. confidence to do whatever they want. And it's, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it was, it's, again, I, I think I've said this twice before, but this is probably one of the best stories I've 
and one that I'm really, really proud of because it just opened the doors to women's football in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs more promotion. It needs bigger backing. It needs sponsors. It needs a drive. And yeah, being at the Women's World Cup, when you're looking at France, you're looking at the USA, you're looking at Germany, and they're powerhouses. And you, you know, I, I've just come from Paris. I watched the uh, the France USA, and that was immense. And then seeing young girls watching the game and thinking they want to be like those girls that are on the pitch. You know, I I I left the stadium thinking, okay, if I have to get a shirt, I want to wear Wendy Rena. I think she is amazing. She is insanely talented. She's brilliant. So imagine a little girl, a little eight-year-old girl watching her, thinking, I want to be like that. I think there should be more emphasis on women's football in Turkey by far because it's the number one sport. So I'm just hoping that the Tef Affair put more focus on it. Maybe, I don't know if other clubs want to get involved, like the bigger clubs. I don't know because it's a financial thing as well. So if you look at all the clubs in the Super League, almost all of them, in some capacity, are in debt. Yeah, like fourteen or fifteen out of the eighteen exactly. clubs, basically, yeah. Yeah, have to get. And I just, I really, I really, I really hope it gets better because sport yeah. in this country is insane. Like, not not even just football. I didn't realize how big it was. I didn't realize how bad, how huge basketball was until mm-hmm. I got here. It's the culture is immense. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you touched on uh, kind of getting the bigger clubs more involved in this as well. And Besiktas are currently the, the reigning champions in the Women's League. Mm. They're, gonna, they're obviously going to represent the, in the Champions in the Champions Women's League. Champions League as yeah. well. And I think there's been one team every year since 2009, Trabzonspor mm-hmm. were the first. So I guess hopefully if if um, do well, it will act as a catalyst for the other clubs to to kind of uh, open up and set up their own female branches as well. I hope so. I really do, because obviously with Champions League football, you get to travel. It's a great experience. You get to play amongst the best. It's a great life experience for these women. Um, I actually asked someone at Galatasaray if they were going to you know, have a women's team, and I think they're going to review it. They're going to have a look at it. So, again, it all comes down to financial. So, yeah. fingers crossed, I... It's I good that you've got, see. The, got the word out and planted the seeds. <laughs> I hope so. I really so do. I hope so. I mean, uh, it's, it's important. We've got to start somewhere, right? But then I ask, why wasn't it brought up before? You know, why does it have to take... Why, why did I, or, you know, my team, why, did, why was it down to us to do that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's not a criticism of anybody, but it's just a question I have. True. Again, it's an it's a insanely mad footballing nation beautiful footballing nation one that I'm obsessed with and it's kind of hooked into my veins now and if I don't see a flair at a football game I'm thinking is it really a football match like you know it's <laughs> well said, well said. <laughs> yeah it's true but um yeah I, I really do hope so I mean I'm I'm trying to get a meeting with someone at the tech affair just to talk about it and just to get it off the ground I, I again I can only say inshallah <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen but at least if we again start the conversation and 2019 has been a great year for women's football. So you have, you know, sponsors putting their money where their mouths are. Um, you have record-breaking attendances across Europe. 
Yeah, and, and the World want Cup to, you, attracting exactly. immense uh, numbers of, of viewership. In, in Holland, uh, two weeks ago, they, they had more than one million viewers uh, wow. for, for the, the Netherlands' game. And that's that's immense for a, a country with 17 million population. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, you think about it, Istanbul has a population of, what, 18 yeah. million? Yeah, something like that. Depends, imagine... <laughs> depends on the time <laughs> depends of year. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, exactly. 18, it could be 25, I don't know. But um, look, I know when it comes to Turkey, you could have a Tiddy Winks team and you got the whole country supporting <laughs> that team. Imagine if you had the women's national team at a World Cup, everyone would be backing them. I know that for fact. So yeah, for I don't sure. know what's going to happen in the future with the national team. It's something, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll do more stories about, do more interviews. But yeah, it's uh, it's something that's kind of caught my attention and something that I'd like to give my ten- more attention to personally as well. So um, we'll see what happens. And a quick tie-in, how did you get in touch with uh, the women from Hakari Guju? Did you reach out to them personally or did that go through TRT? Um, so our um, producer, our planning producer, Effa, he contacted them, and yeah, they were just they were willing, they were game, they they were just just brilliant. Yeah, they brilliant. were probably we very that. happy that you that you guys decided to um, give them the spotlight, which is is all they need, really. Um, well, to... Yeah, I mean, I don't want it to be a case of okay, we're just focusing on Hakari Guju and forgetting about the no, rest no, but of the... but it was just yeah. it was a a unique story mm-hmm. and again because of the area because of that that region yeah it was to have women playing football it was it kind of breaks any kind of stereotypes that mm-hmm. you, that you might have so i respect any woman playing football period because i know i can do it I'm, I'm not that fit i'm not that i'm not that skilled I, i'd rather talk about it and watch it but any woman woman that can um that can do that i i tip my hat off to anyone that's doing it in turkey even more so and let's talk a little bit about uh, turkish football in general and uh, uzra you're gonna pick off with uh, the first question again yeah i mean uh, this is the question that's been uh, on my mind for a long time (laughs) but what is it that sets turkish football apart from the rest what is it that that makes turkish football so unique it's the fans every day. Her good fans, mate. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's them. It's, it's. In, I can't, I can't stop saying it. it's insane. It's just intoxicating. It's the culture. It's. There were two incidences where I learned about um, Turkish football, and the first one was with Besiktas, and I was invited by a few Besiktas fans to eat before the game so we had fish we had reka i can only have reka with spicy foods fyi <laughs> um and yeah it's that stuff really gets you drunk oh my god i thought i could take my drink but obviously not um but yeah it's i learned, I learned more about the the culture the footballing culture through that i went to a game with these Besiktas fans and they showed me the road and it's just family is huge. I mean, the times that I've gone to games on my own, not necessarily just with Besiktas, but with uh, gone to Fener game or whatever, I've gone on my own and I still felt safe. It's just, it's just a different culture. I mean, you go into the stadium and everyone is standing and singing and it's nonstop. 
non-stop. It doesn't go quiet. And I can imagine for the players visiting, especially if you're playing in Europe, the players that are visiting, it's intimidating. It's you, very intimidating. You often get a lot of the cliches that the commentators come up with, the cauldron, this, or the intense atmosphere, this. Intense. But it's true. It is, it is but it's all it is. true, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's true. And... I, I love it. I love it. I don't know. If, uh, Welcome to hell. It's one of those cliches that that really does ring true. It is. It's, but it's so beautiful at the same time. Just, I think, I was amazed. I think my first actual game was Fenerbahce, but that was for work, and I was just amazed at the choreography of chanting from one end of the stadium to the other, and it was just. I, I can't remember. I, I don't know what they're singing or what they're chanting, but it was just perfectly choreographed in unison it was beautiful and it just makes your heart sing a little bit and you just become more immersed in the culture and it's it's addictive yeah. it's it's when you go to a premier league game yes it's it's brilliant i love premier league games but it's quiet mm-hmm. unless you go to i mean crystal palace fans are amazing because they you know they don't stop singing um one bit they're actually brilliant fans um but <laughs> it's I, just I something I've never experienced before. I'm just thinking, just thinking about all the other games that I've been to. My mum actually came to a game with me um, in the first year in 2015. We went to a Bishop game when they played at the Fati Turin Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when they were still... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the Vodafone Park wasn't uh, built yet. Yeah, exactly. So that first time, that was incredible because the lights went out. <laughs> And everyone just kind of <laughs> put their phones on. It was actually quite magical. It's quite beautiful. Yeah. And we made jokes. Oh, someone hasn't played the Lucky Bill. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> and I, true story, true story. I learned my, my first Turkish swear word at that game. So now I know a few. I will not say what I've learned. I'm going to ask off air what it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. But when the guy that was next to me, he was shouting it towards um, the opposition player. And I'm like, he's saying a bad word. And I turned to my friend and said, what did he just say? He said, no, 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 I can't tell you it's such a bad word. And I'm like, now you have to tell me. So he told me, and my mom now knows that word as well. So we say it a little bit. Like, oh. <laughs> but, but the best bit, the best bit is to come. So um, when I got to work, um, I think it's the week after, um, my producer said, Sam, did you, you, you went to this game, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, me and my mum went. He goes, uh, so you guys have been banned from what for one match? Uh, and I'm like, huh? I've been banned from anything, anything in my life. Yeah. Said, oh yeah, because of uh, bad language. And I'm like, yeah. oh! but inside, it kind of felt like, oh my God, does this make me a hooligan? This is a great thing. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think it was that a section of fans or uh, X amount of fans yeah. in that section or whatever were banned for bad language. And me and my mom just happened to be uh, in that uh, section. So, yeah, I got, I've been banned from a, a football match. It's Turkish Super League. Nice. <laughs> if that, and if you, that was you've, you've been to a few derbies. So I, was, was so, I said, you've been to a few derbies as well, haven't you, Sam? And I asked, yeah. So you went to Galatasaray Fenerbahce last November when yeah. Jelson got chased off the pitch at the end. That was, that was hilarious. Oh, the 2-2. Two, two. That, oh, that was amazing. That's the thing with Fenerbahce, right? You, oh, you always come back. Oh, the last season, you always 
always came back. You could be 2 nil down, 3 nil down. I think it was against Besiktas. You were, what, 3 nil down? You came back 3-3? I don't remember that. Mate, yeah. come on. Blocks, come on, come on. Blocks Mate, I was my memory. There. I was there. I saw it. I saw the fights afterwards. I'm like, it was... I don't, it was insane because yeah. the Galatasaray Ferno game, that was the first um, derby game. Although I've been in Turkey for almost three years, that was my first derby. And I actually took Darius Vassal and his agent as well because he was over at that time as well. So I managed to flag some box tickets or black uh, box seats. I'm like, yeah, yes, Bear Johnson. Um, but it just lives up to the expectation. You just think, oh, yeah, there's not going to be a fight or whatever. And then, lo and behold, it's one of the biggest fights. You're like, this is insane. This is, this is what I expected it to be. So whereas some fans are like, oh, I can't believe this has happened. I'm really embarrassed. I'm like, no, this is amazing. This is, yeah. uh, oh, this is yeah. what. This it's is like insane. a football match and a boxing match all in one. It's, it is, but it's to understand it, you have to be there because at one stage, at the people fighting on the pitch, and then I look two boxes beside me, and there was another fight. I'm like, why are you fighting? <laughs> and you're both Tesseri fans. Like, what's going on? It's yeah. it, it's oh, wait, it was crazy. But what was um what was funny um, before the game? Obviously, they do the security search. They went through my bag and they took my compact, my uh, my makeup compact. And okay. do you know Fenty makeup? You know Rihanna's uh, makeup line. Yeah. Yes, I, I use know. It okay. Every day. Just, uh, uh, let's just go, say yeah. yes. Humor me. Just say yes, please. Not yes, just, just yes. Say sure, sure, okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, of course, the famous makeup line. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. okay. Look, look. That costs money. That's what I'm saying. But mm -hmm. they actually they um, took it away from me, and I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do with a makeup compact? And they said, oh, you know, it's got glass in, or you know, it's got a mirror in. I'm like, I'm not going to hurt anybody. Nothing's going to happen. There's not going to be any fights. Bloody hell, yeah, I learned the whole one of the biggest fights um, of the season. And yes, <laughs> but it's just one of the memories I had. It's whenever I've gone to a derby, something happens, put it that way. So uh, I'm going to go to more topics. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing you took it off you because in the heat of the moment, you might have been tempted to throw some of those. Uh, no, some no, of that no, mascara no. onto the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, just, hey, it was just the compact. But no, I, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't want to be banned again. <laughs> 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 you know, as, as, as a Besiktas fan, it's always disappointing when there's not a fight between Fenerbahce and Galatasaray players. It's like watching a, an ice hockey match. You would just expect it. You do uh, expect what? something. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, so no, I don't condone violence, and I'm not saying that, you know, it should happen all the time. But it's just, it, it goes to show how much passion there mm -hmm. is in the game. And you don't get it elsewhere in the other leagues. Not, not on scale. I mean, it, maybe if you go to South America, yeah. you get it. Mm -hmm. You get it there. But certainly in Europe, you don't get but similar levels of. Maybe in the Balkans. I think there's this maybe, uh, yeah. really famous uh, uh, Bosnian. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and, and Chiska yeah. Sofia against uh, exactly. Yeah, Levski yeah. yeah. Sofia, and but to be in the middle of it, it's it's for me, it's crazy beautiful. So, so what do you think are the on the other side then? What do you think are the things in Turkish football that really need improving to bring it up to the, the top five elite level? Um, sort out the finances. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the mm -hmm. big issue, really. It's 
Yeah. I think it's, it, the thing is, it's going to take time for anything to change because mm-hmm. it's, it's embedded, I suppose. It's been one way for a very, very long time. But if you want change, it's going to take time. I don't, but I don't think <clears throat> time is on the side of a lot of clubs in Turkey. And at the same time, some certain fans, fans might be a bit impatient as well. They want to see the big names at their club. They want to, you know, compete for the title every season. They want to be in the Champions League. But in order to <laughs> to get better, I think you re- clubs have to keep a, a a tight leash on the finances, and that's. That's the only way I can see it. I don't know too much about it, but that's whenever I've done a story about the Turkish Super League, that seems to be the number one issue, and it's just overspending. Well, well, we will be uh, sitting down with Jan Okar in the coming weeks, and we will be delving into all of that, so be sure to listen, and uh, <laughs> and you'll, you'll find out more about the finances. But that, that's definitely true, and I think it's a structural issue, where even if, let's say... All the debt would get wiped clean right now. I think the problem is that there's a little bit of, um, like you said, like this, this wanting of, of instant success, star players, everything like that. I think they would just dig that same hole again. So there needs to be a fundamental change. Kind of like Borussia Dortmund. They took a step back, went mm. bankrupt, I guess. But then they took two steps forward and now they're a very healthy club um, mm. that has some success. Of course, it's difficult in a league with Bayern Munich, but still, you know, very commendable what they you know, when you look at the big, I suppose, the big clubs, there's a lot of history. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pride as well. And you want to upkeep mm-hmm. or hold um, that standard. So I think there's a lot of pressure on the people at those clubs as well. So as much as they want change, sometimes it can be difficult. So yeah. Large por- portion of the fans don't, don't understand it anyway. They don't know how bad the finances are. They don't realize. And, you know, when a new president comes in, he inherits inherits the the debt of the, the previous president but for many yeah. fans it doesn't matter it just it's who is in charge at that point that's the person who's going to get criticized so like for example for Fikret Orman he inherited a huge a huge mountain of debt and mm. there's a lot large portion of the fans that don't really understand oh you know what he's had six years he should have sorted it out yeah, as I the think, mentality I but that's not realistic I actually think they understand I mean I, this is why I, I commend Ali Koch for coming out and being totally honest yeah, at the beginning of the train to say, you know what, this is, we thought that this debt was this amount, but it is actually, mm-hmm. so we just found out it's actually this. So yeah. that's all, that was always going to be difficult. And I actually feel for Fener a little bit because mm-hmm. you have to undo, <laughs> look at your baby. Oh, look, but you, you're going to agree with me here. Look, the first year was always going to be difficult. Because mm-hmm. if, you're, if you've been under um, a reign for, what, it's about 20 years? 20 years, yeah. Exactly. 1998 it's, it's, until... Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be difficult. Change is always difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking at... I'm actually watching Teletest for now, and I think, you know, Fenerbahce have been doing some deals, a lot of players on free. So look, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but I think fans have to be realistic as well. And... You know, doing box pops, talking about the financials of you know Fenerbahce. A lot of them were, I think they 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 were realistic. They were, I think they were fine with it. I think it's it's when they started to lose, and mm-hmm. it yeah. was. I think the Fener- Fener- so Fener- much losing yeah, so much. <laughs> but no, no, but it's 
the, I think the problem that you had was that you're just inconsistent. So yeah, you can come back from 2-0 down against Galatasaray, but then you'd lose against, um, who did you lose against? Did you lose against Ankara yeah, Kuchu? A lot of people we lost against. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it, it's things like that. Yeah. So it, it, was a <laughs> but it's, uh, it was a confusing season. It's a season of transition. Let's see how you get on for the new season. So, look, it's... I don't lose faith. You were never, you were never going to get relegated. Fenerbahce would no. never get relegated. No. <laughs> we were very kind of realistic, me and my group of friends, um, in our WhatsApp group saying, look... You know, it's going to be, you know, we just didn't expect it to be so bad. But, you know, we went in with realistic expectations saying, you know, it's going to be rebuilding, transition. It might even last more than one season. But, you know, we've got a good, good man steering the ship. So um, let's just be patient with him. He's a a very cool guy. Um, He's, yeah, he's really, he's charismatic. He's uh, intelligent. He's a businessman, obviously. Successful businessman, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. He's come from like one of the the, the richest dynasties, like richest families. But he's a, a down to earth guy, and he's very passionate about the club. The business of football is obviously very, very different from you know normal, like the business that he's used to. And I, I foresee a better future for for now. So, yeah. Did you know his dad is a? Did you know that his his father is actually a really big Besiktas fan? I did know that. I did know that. I just think, wow, how did that work? But yeah. um, that would yeah, not I, fly with my son. I would disown <laughs> him. Oh, bless him! Let him make his own decision, man. That's the only decision yeah. he may not make. Oh, he can gosh. come. He can come home with other men. I don't care. But no Fenerbahce fan. <laughs> So whilst whilst we're on the subject of Fenerbahce, we know we know that you um, interviewed um, Victor Moses recently, Sam. Um, a great piece. Um, you've got the question about Conti in there, you know, um, having played under him at Chelsea, and um, he's a big fan of kebabs, which we love. And <laughs> so if you're listening, yeah. we love you, Victor. Yeah. I'd love to, you know, recommend you some places anytime. But um, are there any players that are currently active in Turkey that you'd like you'd really like to? I know you've had a chat with Girl Clichy um, and you've met a few other people as well. But is there anyone, let's say, like um, Turkish and, and foreign player there that you'd just love to have the opportunity to, to sit down with, to, to pick their brains like you did with um, Victor? Um, first of all, let's see how this transfer window goes. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? I'm very, very intrigued by Arda Turan. Very intrigued. Mm, by um, okay. mm, aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> no, it's he. How can I put this? I wonder what kind of pressure he was under when he left Turkey to go to Spain and to be a success, to settle in. You know, it's difficult to settle into. Any kind of it was difficult for me to settle in in Turkey. It took me about a year and a half. But imagine being a player like him, and you have to settle in like that. You have to perform like that. I just wonder what that was like for him. Mm. You know, he he was Turkey's golden boy. And what's happened since then? It's I think he fascinates me. He really does. So. Uh, I don't know. It's I like I like 
people that have an opinion. They might be fiery. They might they might have something about them, but that's what makes them who they are, and it, it, it's what draws us to them as well. Mm-hmm. So you've got this immense talent um, who's played for Barcelona. Played for, you know, is that Barcelona? You know. And yeah, I, I think you realized that very well. Yeah, it's a little too well if you understand what I mean. I think no, he just he just he just intrigued. He's he's a fascinating character, and I'd like yeah. to know. I, I I watched a really good um, interview with him about this boy from Bayern Pasha, and you know to him talking about his roots, his love for his country, his love for his family and his friends, the people that he grew up with. I, I would like to know more about that. And then what happened at Galatasaray, you know, his relationship with Fatih Terim, it's just, it goes on and on and on. And in that interview, mm-hmm. he said that he, he saw Terim as like, like a father figure. That's what he said in that interview. And I'm like, wow, what happened? Yeah, something soured. That's so, a, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting story. It's, I it's think an interesting story. But that's, yeah. Oh, well, I'll try to, but it's- Can I, you that's, that that's, to your producer? I'll try. If access, brilliant. But that's what I love about Turkish football. There's always another layer. Mm-hmm. People are just so interesting. There's always a story. They're passionate about what they do. Look, what I've learned about Turkish people is it's one or the other. You know where you stand. It's love or hate. There's no in between. No, oh, you know, Shulabuli, we should watch you, whatever. It's, it's the extremes. <laughs> it's that. And that's what I love about it. That's what I love about the culture. And uh, it's a, a, a reason why I'm staying here. Because the amount of stories, like, I would love to go to each club, each Turkish Super League club, and just say, tell me what's interesting about your club. What's unique about your club? And it could be the food. It could be the history or a player or something. It's, Yeah. This is it. Like I said, it's, it's hooked mm-hmm. into me now. I need to know, know more about it. And I'm constantly learning about Turkish football as well. I'm, I'm always willing and ready to listen to people's stories, um, go to any game. And yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. But that's, I think if you said, like, Sam, who would you like to interview? I'd say him, because he's, uh, he's a brilliant character. He's, he fascinates me. Excellent. And, and on that point, you said um, you'd like to go to, to each club and ask them to tell you what's interesting about them. Um, is there any one particular club whilst you've been in Turkey that have managed to kind of uh, uh, capture your heart? Um, it, it could be for any reason. It could be for sporting. It could be for a good experience you've had with them. Um, so just interested to, to hear. And also any um, not so good stories as well um, for, for the listeners as well. Um. Not so good stories, not so good stories. Um, um, I haven't had any bad stories, hand on heart. I haven't had any bad experiences in touch with I don't. Um, I would say I've had, this is going to sound very vanilla, but I've had great experiences with every club that I've been to. Whatever, if I've had an interview, if I've just gone to visit, you know, I've always been welcomed. And maybe being a foreigner helps because wherever I go, people want to tell me about 
near the club or their their city or something. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's for me passing the Vodafone Park like every day going to work. That was very interesting because I got to see it being rebuilt, and then before it opened, we actually got access, you know in the dressing rooms just to see what it was like when it was done and that was an amazing experience as well so yeah I th- i've been very welcomed by Besiktas more so um than any other club that's not to say that i dislike any other club but i think that was the club that kind of accepted me and i suppose just and that's down to a lot of fans as well some of my friends that i met in my first year they were Besiktas fans as well but at the same time, I did a story about the Intercontinental Derby and the guys that I met who were, who were part, was it Kilfew? What, what, yeah, Kilfew, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guys that were part of that, who are now, you know, a bit older and they've got families, they were telling me what it was really like, you know, back in the day. And I still talk to those guys. And they took me to a basketball game. I think it was uh, Bernabeu, uh, Real Madrid. They, took me to that game and they're just great but they're such lovely guys I'm like I can't believe you were a hooligan like you're so nice what the hell <laughs> um so I know I'm, I'm I'm very lucky and very blessed that people have wanted to teach me more about their teams and their clubs same with Galatasaray my friend um has it she <laughs> came over one evening and she you know she cooked me well she actually cooked for me which was great I got you know everything that she doesn't drink but I drank but everything ready for her and she was just hilarious I just thought girl do not break my TV do not break my TV but she <laughs> she gave me she gave me um, uh, a Galatasaray scarf so I actually have three shirts and one Galatasaray scarf so yeah I have a Bishakshi here shirt from when I did a story on Bishakshi here I have a, a Fenerbahce shirt um that was actually when I went to the He For She event and Ali Koch actually signed the letter and everything. I thought that was really nice. So that's actually still in a box. That's <laughs> like in a precious box. And um, I have a Bashiktash shirt as well. So all of them have number seven on the back and they all have Johnson on the back as well. Very nice. Keep keeping in the theme of favourites, uh, do you have a favourite footballer playing in the Super League right now? Um, it it was I suppose it still is in a way charisma. He's just he's just a classy guy. I just like mm-hmm. he's just so bloody skillful, mm-hmm. and he's I don't know. It's I don't have a favorite player. I never have favorites, but I always admire how mm. someone can be so technical. And score from an angle. I'm like, how the flip did you do that? How did you bend that in with that outside of your foot? Like, how? To, how? Like, what's the science? It's yeah. So, uh, I think that was the first player. I thought, yeah, okay, Christmas might die. Yeah, he's but a very humbling <laughs> character. Not just, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. If you oh, you look, image, oh, look, I love the suits. Sense. I love yeah. his pink suits. I'm like, don't hate on him. He can do whatever he wants. He is Christmas. Yeah. But there's this, uh, this, not this mean, this gif that, um, that went viral or something. And there was a flip knife on, on a pitch. Did you, have you guys right. seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
and the way he like sorted that knife out and you just handed it back to the ref and like whoa you can mm-hmm. cut somebody the hell that was that was very handy. Did you see when he uh, when there was this bird? This was in his first stint, but there was a bird that uh, came on the pitch and he, he picked it up like and he just threw it. I was like, no, poor bird. But he oh, just like, no, I haven't seen that. No. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll see if I can oh. find it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, I mean, it, it looked a little bit rougher than it was, I think. But like, I was like, no, I'm kind of yeah, I like animals, so it's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Oh, bless you. How's your dog? Uh, okay. she, she, she's outside still. I, I thought she was going to make a cameo, but okay. you know, big That's garden, cool. so uh, she You're fine. likes to. She's fine. <laughs> yeah, she likes to run out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let's uh, transition into our, our final part, really, because I think we've touched on most things already. But Burak still has a question for you. Uh, yeah, you mentioned you got the shirt, Fenerbahce shirt from Ali Kocet, the, the He for She um, event. So uh, I just want to ask, what was it like meeting, um, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, so please um, accept my apologies, but Elizabeth uh, Nyamayaro? Nia, Nia I think um, it's uh, And she was at the launch event um, as well with Ali Kocet. Um, Fenerbahce have partnered with them in, in Turkey. Um, just to ask, well, what was it like, first of all, meeting Elizabeth, such a, a great character? And then what? how important do you think the actual he for she movement is for globally and, and in Turkey as well? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it was an honour to be invited. Um, the people in that room, there were all female journalists, like Turkish female journalists that I've never met before. But as soon as I walked into the room, they were just, again, very warm, very welcoming. And it's always, I, I always love being in a room full of accomplished women. It's, I think after being surrounded by so many men, because it's obviously a male-dominated industry, you know, to see other women, it was just a breath of fresh air. And I still talk to a few of those women as well. Uh, they've become great friends. But hearing Elizabeth speak, I, I was in awe. It's for me to see another powerful, like black woman who's headed some something like the He for She campaign. That meant a lot to me to think, oh my gosh, it's just I, I was I was fangirling, almost. Um, well, no, no, not almost. I was flat out, and I, I tried to keep a straight face and you know be professional, but I was just in awe of her story and impressed that they got a club like Fenerbahce involved. I mean, kudos to the club because they're the first Turkish team to do something like that. And I hope it opens doors for other clubs to to go down that route and that avenue. So um, I think what did... Let me try and find what he said, Mr. Koch. Sports and football in particular is vital in overcoming gender stereotypes, bringing an end to discrimination and setting an example for society. That's huge. Like the fact that you had that from your president, your Fenerbahce president, that's huge. So if he can lead the way, Fenerbahce can lead the way in something that has a place in society, period, whether you are in Turkey, whether you're in the UK, Germany, whatever. This is, it's just monumental. And we need more men to, I suppose, join the, I say feminist movement, but we need men to fight for gender equality as well. It can't be just one way, you know? It's, it was heartwarming to see 
a club like Fenham, and maybe you know other clubs throughout you know other you know throughout other leagues will get involved as well. But it's just heartwarming to see something like that come into fruition, for sure. Fantastic. And for some of our listeners who may not be aware of um, who uh, Elizabeth is and what she does, can you just um, um, tell us her like her role? Um, just something about her so we can maybe go ahead and look her up and listen to some yeah. of her stories. So if you go on to uh, He For She uh, website, she is the head of, I think it's the UN Women. So she actually started this campaign. She saw what needed to be, um, what needed to change. And I think she she got uh, Emma, oh gosh, this is terrible, what's that, the actress? I, I remember Elizabeth's name, but not the actress. Who was the one in Harry Potter? Emma Watson. Emma yeah, there Watson. you go, Emma Watson. Yeah, she got Emma Watson involved and she spoke at the at UN as well. So the fact that Elizabeth has headed something like this and started something like this and it's gone worldwide, it's just, again, monumental. So yeah, if you go onto the He For She um, website and you can see what they do, what their campaign, what their manifesto is, um, and then get involved and just, I suppose, educate yourselves from there. It's, yeah, I hope she comes back over to Istanbul. I hope she watches another game. So uh, I, 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 w- I would like to interview her next, actually, for sure, definitely. Okay, well, winding down then, a quick question as a professional in the broadcasting world. Uh, do you have any tips for us to improve our podcast, perhaps? First of all, thank you for calling me a professional. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm not. <laughs> I feel like I'm just winging it. No, um, keep doing what you're doing and just being passionate about what you do because sometimes there will be days where you don't like it, you'll be bored, you'll be, I don't know, disheartened, but you just carry on and get, keep on getting your guests, keep having the conversation, be controversial, just you know, have fun, have fun with it. And do some, you're doing something that's unique. I don't know a lot of podcasts that, that focus on Turkish football. Maybe I'm wrong, but I came across you guys through Emre, you know, um, on Twitter, Turkish football. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, think, I think everyone follows him. I follow him. He's a great guy, by the way. We have a lot of conversations about, I don't know, derbies, signings, gossip, whatever. Um, so I actually found out about you guys through him. Um, yeah, just keep at it. That's it. And just um, what I love about interviews or what I try to do with my interviews is make sure that it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. So rather than back and forth, back and forth, because sometimes that can be a bit boring or in my in my eyes anyway, it can get quite monotone. Just have a chat, talk mm-hmm. about what you love and you're going to disagree. Some of you might agree. I don't know. It's... No, that's why that's fun. why we got the three of us together here so that yeah. we have some disagreements. We have some heated debates over the last few months, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. Good, yeah. good. And then you get everybody involved, and then you create a yeah. debate with other people, and it's like, hold on, I say, I don't agree with you, but I will, I see your point, or whatever. But no, just keep on keeping on. We did try to get a Bashakshir fan, but that's like finding a needle in a haystack. So, <laughs> oh, actually, no, I know. Look, did you watch the Bashakshir story that I did? There were some fans. <laughs> I did not know. Ooh. And actually, I, I had uh, um, uh, Ed Butler from BBC reach out to me before the Galtzrai yeah. here Derby. And he was looking for a Bashakshir fan to interview and he could not find one. Um, 
Well, yeah, there's one guy um, that I work with, and his name's Fatih Kibba, and he's a huge Bashir fan. So he's my famous, <laughs> my famous Bashir fan, my go-to okay. guy. So, yeah. Next time I get that question, I'm gonna direct him to you. And there you then, go, Fatih uh... Kibba, and that's his name. <laughs> Okay, well, Sam, thank you very much for being uh, so royal with your time, g- giving us uh, your, your, your story. Um, very inspirational, I think. I hope that it's going to inspire some people, whether it's boys or girls, just to go after their dreams and just keep working hard. Uh, it's, a, it's really an inspirational story, and thank you very much for that. Um, is there anything you would like to plug before we call it a day, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I'd like to plug our show TRT World. Uh, it's beyond the game. It's on at 16:30 GMT. We go live. We have the best guests. We go in depth about certain stories, whatever's going on. We are there. We go into it. And my Instagram is at Miss Sam Johnson. If you want to follow me? Okay, we'll put those in the show notes, and uh, of course. Uh, we'll put some links in there too to your Hakari story. Um, and uh, which other story did we talk about today as well? Uh, we'll we'll t- try and see if we can find the link to uh, the story from Bishakshir for sure. And uh, we'll Oh yeah, there's another so there's another interview coming up with uh, Nuri Shine. So oh. I interviewed him last week, the week before. Amazing yeah. man. Must have been fascinating. He, he, he did he went to he he's going to Harvard right now, isn't he? He, he went to Harvard. Oh. So yeah, we spoke about that. So all of that's in the, in the interview. And he was over for um, a masterclass. Um, he was doing his own masterclass, but he's so intelligent, so passionate. He's just a brilliant, brilliant man. And yeah. again, an interview that I enjoyed massively. You know what? When he retires, Nuri Shahin for TFF president, maybe that can. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> I was thinking more a national team coach. I don't know. But uh, I don't we, need know. A, we need a highly intelligent man <laughs> at the helm and who's something who's seen. Uh, a lot of the German, how it works in Germany, you know, I think the youth development in Turkey, that's something that uh, someone like that could really uh, improve a lot. Yeah. But thank you very much, Sam, for this interview. Guys, thank you very much, too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank, thank you, Sam. You guys. Thank you. And, and thank you for listening to Football a la Turca. We'll be back next week, hopefully with, uh, I think we're going to do some transfer coverage, but the week after that, we'll be back and we'll delve into some uh, financials again with John O'Hara. Thank you for listening. Good night.